An inmate at the Virginia Department of Corrections, Red Onion State Prison. To accept this call, press zero. This is Randall Vaughn. I'm currently serving 1,214 years in Wallace Ridge State Prison in Big Stone Gap, Virginia. This is my podcast, Red Onion Randy. I hope you enjoy listening to me today. A lady named Juliet wrote in and was asking questions about drugs in prison. So that's going to be today's topic. Though I do have to be careful all. One, I'm not a snitch. So I'm only going to give partial information simply because I don't snitch. Now, personally, I don't like drugs. I just don't. Don't like what they do. I don't like how much they destroy. I don't like how they change people. And if you don't think drugs change people, you're dead ass wrong. I grew up around drug users. That's one of the reasons why my dad was so damn violent. Because he was constantly getting high. He was constantly getting drunk. He was constantly altering his mind. And me and my brothers paid the price for that. And I'm still dealing with the after effects of his using. And it's one of the main reasons why I was as violent as I was for so many years of my life. Drugs, drugs play a huge part in prison. You know, as I've said numerous times in numerous podcasts, prison is an emotional pressure cooker. We feel things in here 20, 30 times more than what y'all feel on the street. You know, I had a buddy of mine a few months back. I was talking to him on the phone. Uh, my buddy Josh from Philly. Good boy. I really like this kid. So we was talking one day, and he was hanging with his boys, and, you know, they, they were tossing back a few shots. Just not getting drunk, but just having a good time. And him and his boys, they like to talk. You know, they talk a little trash, so on and so forth. So... We was talking, and um, he wound up calling me a bitch. And I immediately got quiet, and he apologized to me. Like, he realized instantaneously what he did. He realized that he had disrespected me. And he's like, no, nah, dude, I'm so sorry, man. And he explained to himself, man, this is how people talk on the street. And he's like, when he asked me, dude, what would have happened if we would have been on the street and I'd have called you that? Honestly, you'd probably be looking up for me laying on the ground, right? Like, I'd have knocked your ass out because in prison you can't call someone a bitch like that just can't do that um even jokingly you can't do that even if two homeboys like two brothers like oh man you a bitch bro like and if you don't fight like everybody's going to look at you differently it doesn't matter your relationship or the circumstance like that's the kind of stuff we deal with in here and because of that so many dudes can't handle they can't handle it they don't know how to deal with it. So they make wine. They get drugs. They constantly getting high because they want to escape. And it's big, big business in here. It does every compound I've ever gone to. I'm not there three, four hours. And dudes pull up on me. Yo, man. Yo, bro, you good, huh? Nah, man, I'm good, man. You sure? I'm like, yo. Bro, I got, I got some good shit, man. I'm telling you, man. Like, nah, bro, I don't, I don't get out, man. I'm, I'm a Christian. You know, and as soon as I tell them, yeah, you know, I follow Jesus and everything, like, it shuts that down right then and there. But it's so prevalent in here. Now, and there's a couple of ways 
guys get drugs in prison. Now, actually, there's a lot of ways, but I'm only going to sell the kind of two that everybody knows about because, you know, it, I'm not snitching on this one. There are some different ways that guys can, let's just say they're creative. They're, they're creative, and I'm going to leave it at that. Now, the first way and the most obvious way is through visitation. Now, everyone has probably heard in connection with the drug world the term mule. A mule is someone who carries drugs inside their body. Now, most guys in prison, they don't have their brother or their friend or, or someone bring drugs in simply because most men are highly uncomfortable shoving something up their ass, coming into prison, going into the bathroom, defecating it out, washing it off, and then bringing it out and slipping it to the inmate. And then the inmate holds it on for a little bit, and then they go into the bathroom, and they shove it up their ass, and then they take it back. Um, most men are uncomfortable with that, uh, coming in from the street. So a lot of guys... That's where the women come in. They develop these relationships with these broken women and, and they manipulate them. They, they play on their emotions and they get them to doing this and that. And they'll, they'll spend some story like, honey, look, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to stay out of trouble, but there's this gang in here, you know, and they're pulling up for me and they are telling me like, I have to start bringing in drugs for them. Otherwise they're going to kill me. Honey, can you please sacrifice for me? Like, they do stuff like that. And sometimes it's, you've got girls that are in the drug game. You'll actually have some females who will reach out to dudes, and we know how to talk, we know how to say certain things, blah, 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 where we're speaking in code. Um, no, I'm not going to give you all an example. Now, it's easier, obviously, for a woman to uh, put a package in her vagina and bring it in. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot less work. It's a lot easier because even sometimes they can just sit there at the table and just spread their legs and slide their hand down the front of their pants and reach up and just pull it out. They usually attach a little string to it so it just it barely hangs out. You can't really see it. They'll hide that in the hair and whatnot. And that's, that's the most obvious and the most easiest way. Now, they have cracked down on that uh, quite a bit. Um, the, the visitation rooms now have a lot of cameras in them. And uh, if they even suspect you of doing anything, they've got what they call a dry cell. A dry cell has nothing in it. It has no bed in it, no table. Everything is sealed off. There's literally no hiding place. And they've got a toilet in there that has no water in it. Um, and you have to go in there and they will give you liquid X-Lax and you have to drink it. And you, you have to think, oh man, I ain't drinking it. They can't make it. They will beat your ass. They will hold you down. They will shove a tube down your throat and they will pour it in you. Like you're going to, that's just all there is to it. Like if they put you in a dry cell, you're staying in that cell until you use the bathroom. And it can't flush you. There's no way you can flush it. There's no opening. You can't put your hand down in there and stuff it down the pipe. No, it's because like it's all sealed up. And you got cameras in the cell. They sit there and they watch and they wait until you use that bathroom. And then they'll handcuff you and shackle you and pull you out. And then the investigators have the glamorous job of uh, putting on some rubber gloves and going digging. 
they find something, your ass going to SEG, and your visitation, your, uh, your, your visitation, they hold them up front. They won't let them leave. And if they actually do find something, they call the Virginia State Police uh, or the state police in whatever state you happen to be in. And that person gets arrested and you're going to get a street charge and you're going to the hole and they're going to go through your cell and tear everything up. They're going to go on your books, have the business office. They're going to confiscate all your money and hold that unless you can prove that it did not come from drugs. And nine times out of ten, you can't prove that. You can sit there and say, man, my grandma sent it, my grandma sent that. But you think these people really care? Nah, because they're just going to confiscate that money and put it in the, in their little prison fund or whatever. That they, you know, they do to buy stuff for themselves, new cars, new guns, fences, whatever. So that's the most obvious way of getting that stuff in. The other second most obvious way is for the correctional officers to bring it in. Um, that's <laughs> you got to be really, 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 really careful for that. You got to have a lot of money because I can tell you right now, most COs they're not going to do it unless it. I mean, you really have to make the risk worth it. Now, there's a thing that we do. Um, we don't just inmates aren't just going to pull up. And when I say we, I don't mean me. I've never been involved in a drug trade. I've never. I've I've smoked the equivalent of maybe two joints in my life. I've never popped pills. I've never sniffed anything. I've never shot anything up. I've never done none of that. I've never popped acid, nothing. Um, it's just not my thing. But you have guys in here, they'll watch the COs and they'll look. They'll look at their fingertips because people that smoke cigarettes, people that smoke weed, and you know, especially they roll joints and everything, their fingertips are stained. So that's one of the signs that guys in prison will look for. They'll look for guys that their noses are kind of red. They're kind of sniffling all the time. Their eyes are kind of bloodshot. They're fidgety, you know, can't really sit still. They kind of, you know, they scratch a little bit here and there. Because when you're here for a 12-hour shift and you can't get high and you're used to getting high a lot, you start to fidget. You start to, those little mannerisms, they come up out of you. Um, you can't help yourself. So guys sit back and they watch and they analyze everyone that works in prison. And when they see someone like that, it's real simple. They just pull up on them when they just buy themselves and say, yo, look, man, you uh, you get high. Oh, no, man, no, no, bro. You get high. What you do, man? What you do? Hey, man, we, we can work something out, man. Oh, man, I, you know, uh, Molly or I smoke weed or, man, Coke or hair, whatever it is. Dude, like, look, bro, we can make a deal, man. Like, I can give you. I can give you an eight ball. I can give you a pound of weed. I can give you this and that. All you got to do, man, is just start bringing a little something into me. And a dude that's getting high, he's not going to turn down free drugs, especially if all he got to do is just bring it in and drop it off and let old boy pick it up. Those are some of the things that you can do. Those are the two most obvious things. I'm not going to give any other example for the simple fact I don't snitch. And nothing I said is not already known by every single Department of Corrections in the world. But that's that's how people operate. People, they, they get high. Like, I mean, it's no matter where you're at. It seems like Wallens Ridge is literally built on top of a mountain. Like, the mountain was, the top of the mountain was dynamited off so they could build this prison. And there's so many freaking drugs here. Like, it's ridiculous. 
Now, granted, the wardens and them, they're doing what they can to stop it, and they have, because when I first got here, before the new wardens got here, Dudes, you, you would have three or four ODs every single week up here. Like, I mean, we, that's why we stayed on lockdown so much because he was constantly shaking down searching for drugs because you had three or four dudes ODing every single week up here. Now, most of them didn't die. Every now and then you had some that did. But most times they was able to get the nurse over there and Narcan them really fast, um, which saved a lot of their lives. But like, it's up here. We're out in the middle of nowhere. I can't imagine, like, a prison close to, say, like, Houston, Texas, or Dallas, Texas, or something like that. We're so open. It's so huge. When you got a prison that's got 7,000 inmates, you got to have 1,000 guards or more. Like, you're always going to be able to find somebody. Like, places flooded in prison with drugs. Like, that's just, that's just, just big currency. We just had a whole situation up here. Um, I've already talked about this, but I'm just going to give just a little bit more. Um, so, you know, new listeners know what I'm talking about. You had two groups in here. Um, you had two guys on one side. You had three to four guys on the other side. And uh, you, the two guys were housemen. They were going out and digging used chewing tobacco out the trash cans. And they were making $1,000 a week selling used chewing tobacco to guys who smoke drugs. Like you have some dudes in prison are making twenty to thirty thousand dollars a week selling drugs. It's big, big business in here. And and this is the thing, like there's nothing they're gonna be able to do because guys in here have nothing but time on their hands. You have years after year after year of figuring out security. You have year after year after year of learning how the place operates, looking for the weak spots. That's what dudes do. Everybody in here has been trained for the most part to see angles. It's just a natural course of being in prison. You look for ways to get over. You look for ways to figure out how to make your life better, to improve your life, especially your finances, because the prison food sucks. Like prison food is really, really, really freaking bad. So you have to have money to buy commissary. And these commissary companies like Keefe, they charge us 10 times. You have one minute remaining. There's nothing anybody's ever going to be able to do to stop that problem in here. It's just, it's, it's going to be a never-ending loop. But I hope you enjoyed listening to me today. Don't forget to check out my website, redonyourrandy.com. I'm on Twitter, at redonyourrandy. Take care. Stay safe. Thank you for using GTL.